The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Bambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And did you know that to listen to the full interview and all of our material, all you need to spend is less than what you pay for a movie ticket per month. Just go to VeritasRadio.com and find out all the subscriptions that we offer. The knowledge will be priceless. And the other radio program that offers priceless information is Sanitas Radio. Just go to SanitasRadio.com and take a listen. You won't be disappointed. It's your life. Take control. Did a highly advanced civilization exist in prehistory? Is the Giza Pyramid a remnant of their technology? Then what was the power source that fueled such a civilization? Did our special guest, a renowned master craftsman and engineer, claims that the Great Pyramid of Giza was actually a large acoustical device. By its size and dimensions, this crystal edifice created a harmonic resonance with the Earth and converted Earth's vibrational energies to microwave radiation. We will discuss how the pyramid's numerous chambers and passageways were positioned with the deliberate precision to maximize its acoustical qualities. This may be the same technology discovered by Nikola Tesla and the solution to our own clean energy needs. Tonight's special guest is Christopher Dunn, an engineer with over 35 years of experience. He was recruited by an American aerospace company in 1969. He began as a skilled machinist and toolmaker and has worked at almost every level of high-tech manufacturing from building to operating high-powered industrial lasers, including the position of project engineer and laser operations manager at Danville Metal Stamping, a Midwest aerospace manufacturer. Dunn's Pyramid Odyssey began in 1977 when he read Peter Tumpkin's book, Secrets of the Great Pyramid. His immediate reaction to the Giza Pyramid's schematics was that this edifice was a gigantic machine, Discovering the purpose of this machine involved the process of reverse engineering that has taken over 24 years of research. In the process, he has published over a dozen magazine articles and has also appeared on several national TV programs. Chris is also the author of the best-selling books on the pyramids called The Giza Power Plant and Lost Technologies of Ancient Egypt. Chris's website is gizapower.com, which is linked at ours. And directly from Danville, Illinois, I'm delighted to introduce, for the first time on Veritas, Christopher Dunn, 
Hello, Chris, and welcome. How are you? Hi, Mel. I'm fine, thank you. How are you? It's my pleasure. I'm doing very well, and I'm so glad that finally, after so many years, we have you on because every so often we get this these emails from people. Are you ever ever going to discuss the Giza power plant? So we finally have you here. But first, I'm very curious. It took you many many years, eleven years, I think it was, for you to finish your first book, the Giza power plant. Give us your background story as to how this happened, the aha moment, moment, the light bulb turning on. Yes, uh, it was actually in 1977, and uh, I was reading Peter Tompkins' book, and uh, it seemed to me that there was a a lot of questions about the uh, origins and the the purpose of the Great Pyramid, and what uh, Tompkins' book offered was the opinion of various people uh, back in that day uh, and in uh, throughout history who had uh, posited that the Great Pyramid, the true purpose of the Great Pyramid had not yet been explained. And uh, there were many theories out there, including, you know, that it was some kind of astronomical alignment device, uh, that it was a geodetic marker, or it was a, um, a temple. And... Uh, the uh, common theme seemed to be that that the tomb theory was unsatisfactory and uh, and that there wasn't enough evidence to really support that theory. Well, this was very new to me because I'd always uh, I was taught to believe as everybody is when they when they're young, it was that the Great Pyramid was Khufu's tomb. And so uh, when we have these alternate opinions and people who are actually, you know, exercising their own uh, expertise or intelligence and uh, beginning to re-examine that question, they tend to always come up with uh, an alternate view. Well, um, it was during the time I was reading when the light bulb went off in my over my head. And it was a... Uh, it was actually, I, I was looking at the schematic of the Great Pyramid, and it is uh, it didn't resemble any kind of building, whether it would be for people who visited and stayed a while, then left, or uh, whether it was even a tomb, because of the, the um, unusual shafts and the unusual passageways the, some of them seemed very cramped, you know. There was uh, like the descending passage to a bedrock chamber, uh, an ascending passage to uh, the grand gallery, and a horizontal passage from where the where the ascending passage meets the grand gallery. Uh, and then the the conventional theory about how why these passageways exist. Uh, doesn't seem to make any sense. Uh, it, it's always a, uh, it relies on the capriciousness of the, of the king at that time, who, uh, originally the subterranean chamber was destined for, to be his, his, uh, tomb, but then he changed his mind, and so they constructed the, uh, horizontal passage in Queen's chamber, then he changed his mind again, and they went further up into the Great Pyramid and built the so-called King's Chamber. And then all the features uh, associated with these uh, were not given that much attention or uh, they weren't explained very satisfactorily. For instance, 
the uh, above the so-called King's Chamber, which is actually uh, constructed out of granite and not limestone like the rest of the pyramid. But the above the the King's Chamber, there are these uh, series of beams, granite beams, weighing up to seventy tons. There's about forty-three of them in all. And these uh, granite beams uh, were theorized to allow the uh, the king to have a flat ceiling on his chamber, and not a uh, not a gabled ceiling like you find uh, down below in the in the queen's chamber. Uh, but the five layers that, uh, of granite beams, you could actually achieve a flat ceiling without having to put superimpose five different layers of, of granite beams to accomplish that. And it, it was clear that the only thing that uh, is supporting the mass of the pyramid above are the gable blocks at the top that uh, span the entire uh, chamber and that the layers of granite beams are holding up nothing more than their own weight. Uh, and so I, it seemed to me at that time that there was something significant there that uh, needed needed uh, answers to. Also, the unusual shafts that, uh, that penetrated the pyramid from the king's chamber to the outside, um, they had to have a purpose. And uh, what was their purpose? Why did they? Why was the chamber made out of granite? And then a very, very interesting. Uh, feature that was uh, noted by Sir William Flinders Petrie in the late 1800s was that the uh, chamber, the king's chamber itself, had expanded over an inch. Well, as I absorbed uh, all this information, um, it, it occurred to me that there, were, there seemed to have been some energy involved. Well, obviously, there was some energy involved in pushing the walls out of the king's chamber. What was what was that energy? And uh, I I know before I entered into my research that there had been ideas posited that the um, the the Great Pyramid was a uh, receiving station for energies. And my mindset was that these these energies came from the outside. But um, it, it was as I looked at the entire structure and started to examine the evidence, it occurred to me, and that was my aha moment, that the energy was not coming from the outside, it was actually coming from the earth, and it was affecting changes, uh, it was being transduced into, in the king's chamber and going out rather than energy coming in. And it was that idea that... Uh, Back in 1997, that propelled me forward to um, to do further research and gather as much information as I could. And it was, you know, the path. It was. Uh, I, I don't think there was a day or an hour after that that went by that I wasn't thinking about the Great Pyramid and uh, reading about the Great Pyramid and uh, trying to refine my idea or looking for clues. And trying to find answers, uh, you know, consulting with different experts in different fields. Um, but along the way, the um, other information came to me, and it wasn't until 1986 that uh, I finally was able to visit uh, Egypt and visit the Great Pyramid. 
And in 1986, the uh, another part of my research uh, kind of opened up, and that was related more to the uh, the question: How did they craft their their blocks? And I knew from the uh, literature that they had built a lot of precision into the Great Pyramid because of the the, the levelness of the, uh, the the base is within seven eighths of an inch. And then uh, you have these uh, pa- passageways, like the descending passage, which is within the thickness of a thumbnail of being absolutely straight over 150 feet. These are remarkable tolerances. Uh, the casing stones um, cut within ten thousandths of an inch and then brought together uh, with just a very, very thin line uh, between them. Uh, but then... That was uh, uh, reading the the conventional literature. uh, What I was able to do was uh, take those measurements further with modern instruments because most of those those, uh, measurements were taken by uh, William Flinders Petrie and uh, some er other earlier explorers. But um, I didn't realize uh, in 1986 what I would be faced with, uh, not just within the Great Pyramid, uh, but outside the Great Pyramid, and what appeared to me to be uh, unbelievably precise, uh, flat, uh, uh, accurate surfaces. Um, and But I didn't have any tools with me at the time. I was, I was there more to confirm what I had read in in the literature and to try to understand the Great Pyramid in person in terms of connecting with it uh, and to to see if my ideas or, you know, the theory that I was developing, if I was on the right track. And it was was a very nervous time for me before I actually went inside the Great Pyramid because... The thoughts going through my mind were, well, what if I'm wrong? You know, what if something's not quite what it was, how it was described, and it it kind of destroys or dispels the the whole notion that I have in my mind about the Great Pyramid being a a source of energy, and uh, and so I kind of I didn't even go up to the the Giza Plateau for about three days after I arrived. Now, if I go, I'm there. The next day, but then it was uh, it was like I was just kind of circling it, going everywhere but the Great Pyramid. But you you could always see it in the background. Uh, and then I finally went up one morning, and it was an amazing, amazing experience. I would recommend anybody if they can go uh, to visit Egypt and uh, to go inside the Great Pyramid. And I'm sure you had a lot of people on your show who have actually had that experience or go to Egypt quite frequently. Absolutely. And yeah. one thing that I hear, and by the way, I think there's something rubbing with your microphone. I'm not sure if you have it too close to your mouth or there's some paper around, but just an FYI, I get okay. a lot of people who tell me that, who say, you can see it in pictures, but it makes no justice. You have to go there and see the the how incredibly large it is so you can realize how advanced these people, whoever made this. But first of all, let me just say that I'd like to organize the interview in such a way so that first we can first establish your perspective of solid engineering and expertise to refute conventional viewpoints, and then we'll get into the 
uh, the more speculative power plant hypothesis. But you say from the book, quote, the Great Pyramid is the largest, most precisely built, most accurately aligned building ever constructed in the world. To my mind, it represents the state of the art of the civilization that built it. Unquote. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, if by modern standards the Great Pyramid is considered very advanced, but we cannot replicate it even with today's technology, mm-hmm. what do you think happened with the civilization and its technology? Well, my personal belief is that uh, the the Great Pyramid is a lot older than uh, than what conventional scholars um, say it is. Uh, it's generally described to be about. 4,500 years old, built in the 4th Dynasty for King Khufu. And, uh, but I, I, I think, uh, and I agree with another writer who uh, is past now, but uh, the, uh, I, I think the, uh, the pyramids were adopted by the Egyptians coming into that area. And, uh, and so... Um, my belief is that if we look further back into history uh, and for an event that would be a cataclysmic event, kind of like an extinction event, and uh, we go before that, 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 that will be the period where the pyramid was built and utilized uh, during the time before that event. So uh, Alan Alford in his book, uh, The Phoenix Solution, uh, speculated that the, the, the pyramids were adopted because you have the Great Pyramid, which uh, was Khufu's pyramid, and then Khafre's pyramid, who was Khufu's son. And it's it, it, for him, it seemed like the reverse, where instead of uh, instead of the you know the uh, the Great Pyramid being the last one to be built, or instead the, the the Great Pyramid having the more superior uh, fit and finish and com- and complexity, um, then the pyramids that followed it, not being quite as uh, polished, not being a, quite as precise, but uh, but uh, ad- adopted by his sons uh, and, and grandsons. So the, what you have is a, a procession where the uh, king takes the the biggest pyramid, and then you know the uh, the fa- the rest of the family have what's left. But um, that's generally you know what uh, my theory. But I think that, that if you go to Egypt and you go to the different sites, <clears throat> you'll see plenty of evidence of where there's been massive upheaval in terms of um, the destruction of the sites, the destruction of the monuments. Uh, a thousand ton statues uh, are toppled and broken. Uh, if you go south uh, uh, to Luxor and and uh, Dendera and you know other places, Abydos, you'll see where there are uh, there is evidence of massive uh, disturbance, even an attempt to um, to kind of alleviate some of the destruction. So it's my belief that they knew that there was an, a, an event coming that would be destructive and they prepared for it because you, there are obelisks that had uh, walls built around them and it's speculated that they were filled with, with sand. And that would be uh, a, a, a good thing to do if you wanted to. 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.